The Autistiska Rummet made by Outspace. My name is Sirena Hasseblad and this is our sixth episode, which will be in English. In this pod, our aim is to create an autistic space where we can reflect ourselves in each other and build knowledge about who we are. Here, the autistic thinking is the norm. In this episode, we'll talk to Jonathan Drury about his work in Scotland with Autism Dialogue. Jonathan Drury is the founder of the method Autism Dialogue. He has a professional background in social engaged art for personal development uh, via a combination of art, philosophy and dialogue. In this podcast, you will, besides Jonathan, also hear Hanna Bertilsdotter-Rosqvist and me, Sirena. Hanna is an associate professor in sociology and senior lecturer in social work at Södertörn University. I, Sirena, have a PhD in technology, but now runs projects in the field of autism. Johnny, Hannah and I are autists. We define ourselves as autists and see it as an important part of our identity. Starting this episode, I asked Jonathan, what is autism dialogue? Um, if I was being clever, I would say, well, if you tell me what autism is first, um, and then I would also say, Autism dialogue is what we're doing because really I I came up with this idea, autism dialogue, so I could find out more about myself and, and my universe. That's really the essence of it. Um, but obviously it was it was conceptualized into a into a um, um, an approach or methodology whereby I felt I could really get the most answers for this question about my recent diagnosis of Asperger's from from getting as many people in the room as possible and it was it was this idea that that we could use this existing dialogue approach um, to answer this this question what is autism for me what is it for you what is it there's some I just you know I just see so many differences countless differences and I thought well you know let's let's talk about this <laughs> simple so you, you kind of you, you you mean that actually to understand your own autism it was you you found that would be the sort of the best method to to have a conversation mm. or, or um, um, well to exchange uh, uh, ideas and uh, yeah I mean because I've I've spent quite a lot of time in groups in my life inquiry groups meditation and some counseling training and I love it I love it when minds come together hearts and minds come together and collaborative inquiry and um, you know I think that's the essence of of um, community and it's what makes us healthy and happy and whole And, and so this was an extension of that in a way. 
So there's, you know, there's a humanistic, if you like, the spiritual aspect to it. Um, and communities were were kind of forged in a way from the from the outset. Um, I think as as soon as a, a group of people come together with the intention with a certain intent, certain spirit of 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 the of facing the unknown together, then knowledge is generated, shared knowledge is generated. I like I like the it, it it's a very nice idea it's a very nice uh, way of thinking and doing it um, but in in a way there are many autistic people that would say that oh I would never find myself in a group like that would not mm -hmm. uh, suit me at all but on the other hand we've had the same experience of course Hanna and I uh, being in in groups in Sweden and uh, uh, Finding it's it's very um, useful um, this mm. uh, sharing experience. Interesting, isn't it? I think um, what a constructive dialogic approach lends itself to is the safety of having um, having some agreed guidelines and safe boundaries in place constructs constructs a, something that protects um the participant against um the unpredictability that that is part and parcel of the autistic experience i believe yeah so we create um we create a safe space we create um our own micro community we have we have um evolving principles and practices that that depend on who's there and um and what they're bringing and what they want and and it evolves all the time but we're the practice dial it comes from bohm dialogue so david bohm was a quantum scientist who died in 82 and he got into looking at the way organizations work and the way thinking is fragmented as well as um, there being a crisis of communication in in our world and i was introduced to bohm dialogue in in 2010 on my fine art degree okay. and it was the best part of my fine art degree um, um because basically if you, it's, it's a bit it's a bit of an analogy, I suppose, but what they what the tutors did is they take away the art from the middle. Normally, students are gathered around a piece of art critiquing the art. But we take away the art, and what have we got left? We've got thinking and language, tools of creative expression. And then, therefore, we have to turn in on ourselves and look at what we're doing, look at what we're, what we're thinking here. How are we thinking? Why are we thinking this way? What what's this language we're using together? Let's start to to break it down together and and explore this experience of just being together. And so this was powerful for me. Um, and I I left uni and and used it a little bit in in gallery education and schools doing art workshops. 
and then um, I had some funding from the government, but it ran out, and then the things changed. Funding was cut, so I went on a different direction. And then um, I got I had some serious uh, uh, questions about the way my mind was operating, lifelong questions, and and uh, I was getting see myself walking into trouble again, like running a business, a chocolate spread invention that I did, and and. And um, I mean, it was crazy. I, I raised eighty-five thousand pounds in in three weeks with powers of persuasion. No lies, just this just this invention. But then the whole lot had gone in in a, in a year. And I, I, you know, this kind of like not fitting in, but having this energy at the same time, <clears throat> it was really frustrating and confusing and somewhat depressing. So I decided that enough is enough. I have to go and find out from the GP. In fact, in fact, my my story was that my dad's my dad suggested that I might have Asperger's because he it was suggested to him once. So so I I'd never heard of it, and I did I did some test online, and and it came out positive. And then at the same time, I decided to go to my GP, and I wrote this list of of um, things about myself, and. Um, Two thirds of it was things that that trouble me, and a third of it was things I like about myself. Weird, but I like. So anyway, he referred me to the service, and and I got the diagnosis, and then all the questions were right. I've really got to find out more now. So so um, that's when the words autism dialogue popped into my head, and at the same time, I signed up for the uh, masters autism at Sheffield Hallam. I didn't finish the masters. I, I finished the first year. I got the I got a certificate. Um, I found it too traumatizing, too triggering. Finding out about how how horrible some of it is, but at the same time, I, I just started to gather some students and and um, PhD students and a, a professor at and the other university, University of Sheffield, Liz Mill. She she agreed to host the first autism dialogue uh, as part of a British, British Academy project. She, she was running community social science project and it all started there. But uh, how, how uh, are there different guidelines you think for autism mm. dialogue than when they are not autistic? Um, um, well, like I say, it's are. evolving all the time and, and, um, it's it's difficult for me to answer that because the short answer is yes, but absolutely definitely. But then I don't I wouldn't know what, how how to answer that further, unless you want to give. Yeah, yeah you don't yeah. you don't really know how. how yeah, it, it differs in a, in a lot of ways. Group. Do you want examples? Yeah. Well, it's weird because I think David Bohm was probably autistic. So, I mean, if you watch him talking and and you and study his life a little bit, there's there's a strong possibility that he, that he's autistic. Anyway, um, he didn't actually formulate this. He 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 proposed it. Him and two people proposed this model, um, and it's. That's in itself has been evolving. Um, 
and so I don't think you can say it's there's one there's one uh, model that's neurotypical and one model that's autistic. Ultimately, I think I think that it's it's quite a quite a, a particular and a, and a strange pursuit anyway to to get into this. Um, but yeah. I suppose um, to answer it practically. It's, I'm just, I'm just, my, my, I'm just getting through this, um, thinking about um, actually, dialogue is very suitable for autism because of the because of the safe container. We call it the container, the or safe house. I call it. Yeah. There are four practices, which which um, are the posts of the house. I like to see them as. Um, I'll go and go into those. But we kind of build this house together using these practices. Um, so I'm trying to get to the point answering your question. But it's hard because I, I still I just okay. you know the the model is so strong in front of me and I live in it all the time you know, and it's like I don't want to separate it. It's just it just yeah. is what it is. Um, so. Yeah. <laughs> You want, don't want like look at it. Yeah, it's just hard detail, to answer your but... question. Something I'm feeling, I'm feeling reluctant to answer that question for some reason. It's about taking it apart when okay, it doesn't need so to don't. be. Okay, I see. It's makes it as it again back to the, my sense when I was telling you, it's the sense of a kind of holiness. And if you're taking it apart, it becomes less holy because yeah, you kind of deconstruct yeah. something which is whole, and you can't kind of. Put, put something whole in small pieces. Yeah, how yeah. To, so, how to make it asked, whole again? Then what's the difference between bone dialogue and autism dialogue? There is no difference in a way. It because 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 we are we are creating it as we go along, or we're we're in the river now. Can I put in another question? Because I just start to think about the connections between. I just had a seminar about the monotropism theory. And the autistic sociality or the autistic uh, togetherness um, of Sinclair. He's talking about autistic togetherness as something we are doing. Uh -huh. We are together in a special kind of autistic spaces. And then connected to the monotropism theory, where we are getting into mm -hmm. the flow, they're kind of intensely focusing something. Mm -hmm. And when you combine those things, I think you have a dialogue that you're kind of getting into the kind of collective flow when everybody's intensely focused on what is happening right now yeah. and it's quite hard to say what is happening actually but it's something i kind of bit yeah. immersed into it's that interesting i think when you said intensely focused it's almost like it's so intensely focused that there's no there's no effort and that's what the, that's where the connectivity and the collective monotropism if you like comes in um yeah and and um in your email you you wrote the question what kind of things do we talk about and i was thinking about that and i think that might be a good way to answer that as well um we talk about meaning i think that's the short answer yeah what what do things mean and not and not with conjecture but with experience as well so there's a there's a there's a there's a 
there's a level of thinking out loud but it's in the spirit of collaboration so we're listening to each other thinking but it's not like a, a monologue of like oh well no wonder this and no wonder that it's more like building on on each other what was just said so you might have you might begin with an inquiry and and we might just like in a in a quite quite typical of a of a coaching scenario um for example or counseling even you might say um well what do we want to talk about today um well we do a we'll do a check in so everybody speaks uh, a little bit about how they are today uh, if they've not met they'll uh, introduce each other and say where they are but then we might suggest to say just describe one word say one word that describes how you're feeling today and we start to break down the, the start we call it um, what do we call it in the west breaking the ice a bit um, or w- just warming up and so we start to get this sense of familiarity a little bit of personal touch you know, might be able to feel artificial at the beginning, but but as we move into this, then we say, um, okay, so unless the, unless there's a remit why we're there, I'm talking now chiefly about the community ones that that Hannah was in, one of them. Um, basically, dialogue has no agenda. So so in one respect. There's a there's a sense of uh, I won't say existentialism, although I've I've been there probably too many times, wondering who I am and why I'm here, etc. But it's like okay, wow, look around the room. We've got autistic people. We've got parents of autistic people. We've got professionals. We've got work people working in the autism field, researchers as well, all together in this room. You know, wow. That's something, right? And next, oh, we're going to sit here for three hours. Wow. Wait, oh, no. Then you get that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Then we remind people at the beginning also, um, you can leave if you want, anytime you want. Remember, you chose to come here. (laughs) And we're going to have a break. And uh, is the lighting okay for everyone? And everything is is managed by the group. Everything, the whole experience, is managed by the people that turn up. Yeah. One of the common things that we that we've basically embedded into the practice now is, um, I mean, it's, it's a bit complicated because because we've mostly been online in the last year. But so you know that that's a whole completely different dimension to the work. But what we try to do is leave a few seconds after someone's spoken before another person speaks. And this is quite a common one. Um, And Bohm himself said, dialogue helps us see dynamic processes by slowing down thought and language together. So we believe that um, processing, I think there's scientific evidence, you know, for this, although we probably all know it's true, 
processing isn't isn't as uh, fast or it's different in the autistic mind yeah um, first of all it allows processing and it allows meaning to be explored more and experiences to be explored more I often say if somebody's just spoken and you and you're not sure how to react then stop and and sense how you're reacting if it's good or bad it doesn't matter just stop and we're thinking together and we're more than thinking together we're experiencing together Mm. new meaning comes from shared yes uh, shared collaborative effort but it's, it's absolutely true that we need uh, a slower pace um, and also have uh, time to um, to reflect and time to uh, think of an an uh, answer or uh, an idea um, and most of the times we don't have this time um, and I think especially when it comes to communication it's sort of that uh, the, the non-autistic people sort of um, uh, think that communication is their tool or um, so we have to adapt all the time, even though it doesn't fit with how we function or um, what we would, yeah. how we would like to communicate. So, and I also, I also think it, it's um, important for the non-autistic people to actually to slow down. Absolutely. I mean, maybe they become more aware of what they actually say or what they actually do or what the meaning is to what, what they, uh, what they say <laughs> absolutely um i know i've, I've seen um non-autistic people be profoundly moved because they haven't had the opportunity not just to hear from an autistic person but to experience this slowing down and, and a joining up of their own thinking because it's allowed to, to slow down in a, in a communal space. <laughs> but also that the, the point of interaction is not to, to be, I'm not sure how, could, how to describe it, but the point, to, uh, as I experience it, the point of interaction is to do this kind of communal experience sharing i think that's a really good observation hannah because this relates to one of the early outcomes that was um that would that was told to us is that there's a sense of reduced um anxiety and um because of more familiarity with 
with oneself in a social environment for autistic people and then they were going home and and this this calmness was affecting the family at home and more togetherness so i forgot what you said but um yeah please can you just say a bit more about that no i just was thinking about the the difference in if you come to both the dialogue as i experienced it and also in our kind of uh, swedish group communication i don't know what we are but some kind of group discussing things and we get into the group with a sense that we are going to share and to be in this kind of sharedness together and explore and extend as a it could be whatever theme it is we are kind of together in exploring that that's the kind of goal for our being together is that we are going to explore something and we are going to be together in this exploration and that's the focus but if i am in the empty space or in a mixed space i know there are so many other things going on yeah. we are doing so much parallel things but i just want to focus on this experience of exploring something together yeah I don't remember what I said, it's a word about it, but it's a kind of yeah. focus together on something rather than small, small things and blah, 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 and all, all, all over the world. <laughs> Just to think about, <clears throat> if this is another question, but uh, almost it's like a, an empty coming out process. That neurotypical people in that space realize that they are empty and need to think about themselves as NTs. Yeah, yeah. Agree. And what does that make? What is, <clears throat> what does it make with them or what, also, what kind of experience? Mm. That's a hard one. I know there are examples, but I can't. I can't seem to bring them up. Um, but what do you mean, Hannah? That they realize. Uh, what What do you mean? They realize that they are anti. They should know that beforehand. No, I don't think so. As you can have an intellectual idea of yourself as non-autistic in relationship to autistic people. <clears throat> yeah. But in that kind of space, when you can experience this some kind of autistic togetherness or experiencing autism in that kind of social sense maybe you see yourself as an anti-person for the first time in the in kind of what is neurotypicality <clears throat> okay that you mean they sort of understand themselves better from that they actually are neurotypical and that they they realize that the other people uh they don't have the same experiences that we have the autistics yeah and it's i think it's similar when when a heterosexual person is coming into a gay community <clears throat> first time you really understand yourself it's not like oh we heterosexuals and you are a gay person but you need to be in a gay space in order to understand yourself as a heterosexual person i think <clears throat> okay. then you can come out and see what does it mean it's not an anti-gay position it's a okay I'm not sure if that's. I mean, you see yourself more clearly when when you uh, contradict yourself to another group, or you or you you, uh, you see the differences. 
I'm not sure where I'm heading, but it's something <laughs> in this difference when you're in your kind of ordinary anti-communities place as an anti-person. <clears throat> You are just seeing that autistic person as something which are kind of differing or is a problem or something who is it's kind of disturbing the space. And you don't really see yourself because you are a majority, you're, you're the kind of neutral one who's just behave as mm. you're supposed to behave. But when you are in an autistic space, maybe you can experience yourself not just from the outside, but it's a new experience because you've never been an empty actually. You've just been the minority, the, the neutral one. I think that's a really interesting one. Um, I, it might be useful to have an NT person here to, to answer that. Uh, I've seen quite, quite a few examples um, where people have been, um, had their like empathy increased. Yeah. And uh, aware, through, through just pure awareness and of having an autistic person in front of them. And had had their own sense of being different to that person, but it's still a human being, and it's not a concept in the head anymore. It's actual a relation, a relational truth. Hmm. Can I ask you? Uh, you said that there were uh, some uh, uh, participants that had felt that they. Uh, were not uh, secure, sort of unsafe in mm. in those meetings. Were they autistic or non-autistics, these, you think? Well, yeah, I think I'm generally talking about autistic people um, who... I mean, yeah, I could talk about the, the latest example um with this authority yeah there's this there's this fine line between um contributing to the knowledge and and being safe being psychologically safe um somebody used the phrase self-narrating zoo exhibit I mean, it's a really serious consideration and a, and a serious undertaking for an autistic person who's, who's fundamentally already disempowered by society to walk into a, a situation, no matter how safe or set up or autism friendly or whatever it's, it's described to be, to to expose himself to expose and be vulnerable because this is a requirement it's a, one of the four practices is being authentic being true to yourself so what's what's the trade-off here when you've got a mixture of autistic and non-autistic people what what is this power dynamic that we're all we've all agreed to, to try and explore the reality of being here under this thing called autism. What does it mean for a non-autistic? What does it mean for an autistic? Well, you know, let's face it, there's some very, very uncomfortable truths. 
And so this is where the psychological safety is is crucial. Um, I think I think at at worst you're going to have somebody who's um, going to need some support outside of the group, or or they leave uh, early and we don't hear from them again. At best, you're going to have um, people wearing the hearts on their sleeve and and being open and honest and and explorative, explorative and breaking down um, conceptual barriers between the different neurotypes, breaking down those barriers. This is what dialogue. This is what I believe dialogue is good for as a professional practice, bringing everybody together, different perspectives shared equal and, and everybody coming together as equals. Um, that can only be done if it's, if it's professionally bounded. You know, what's really interesting is working with with the authorities because a lot of our conscious conscience uh, our um, thinking is based on reductionist science so medical science and and one of them one of the most common themes to come out of autism dialogue is what is autism this is this was you know when when Hannah joined for two years we 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 explored two and a half years we talked about this question what is it and everybody's got a different answer and everybody's got the same answer and, and nobody's got an answer all those things um so that's that's interesting <laughs> well i think we're all i think there is a transaction here that's going on and and um we might be talking about um a short term investment of autistic people to to contribute in in society in a way that they might not know so for example the th um occupational therapists that came in 2018 for for one series and and uh, at the end of it, they went away and they made some changes in their hospital to give to give much more um, autonomy to to new people coming in to the service. Um, and so there's there's a there's a certain amount of sacrifice there, I think, for for autistic people. But I would also like to add that um, the model that I've created is is um re replicable and we're starting to put together facilitated training so there might be well i think there will be opportunities for autistic people to actually benefit from running autism dialogue themselves so therefore um you could call that you could call that um now I wouldn't like to call it power, but it's like 
if it gives safety and, and control back to one autistic person to be able to hold space, then, then that's going to be changing something fundamental. That's going to be changing and that, that allows more of those micro incidents where, where the NT person realises that actually autistic person's a real person not just real but uh, but has actually given me this opportunity to know more about myself and that's autistic person that's that's instigated that so that's that's maybe where the where the the, the cultural shift can take place You've been listening to the podcast The Autistiska Rummet. In this episode, you heard Jonathan Drury, Hanna Bertisdotter Rosqvist, and me, Serena Hasselblad. Dennis Hansson was responsible for editing. More information on, on our website, outspace.se. The music in the podcast is an interpretation of a folk song from the Faroe Islands about the seal people, a special arrangement by Åsa Lindström. Åsa also here sings with Eva Robbins and Karen Corbin.